hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for the week of June 23rd. I'm Melissa Davlin and I am joined today by Christine Tiddens, Director for Idaho Voices for Children. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, First of all, can you tell me about the report that came out on Monday? Thanks for having me, Melissa. Um, yeah, so the Annie E. Casey Foundation puts out an annual Kids Count Data Book report every year. Um, and in it, they really focus on child well being and they rank states. Um, this year, the report came out and it really looks at how families have fared between the Great Recession and the COVID 19 crisis. So we're looking at a broad range of time here, the, the 10 years between, you know, 2010 and the COVID-19 crisis, and then the year immediately before this, how COVID has affected families with children. Correct, so we have a lot of data to be able to look at. So how were we doing the decade before the pandemic hit? And then as the pandemic hit, we do have census surveys that we can look uh, week by week to see family well-being trends. So what were some of the highlights from the years preceding the COVID-19? crisis. Right, so if we just start with some of the higher level data from the report that came out this week, immediately before the pandemic, 13% of Idaho's children lived in poverty. Um, When we compare this to children in the United States, we're doing slightly better than the national average of 17%. Over the last decade, Idaho's child poverty rate actually declined by about one third. Um, So that's really promising and we're excited to see those declines. Although in recent years, the poverty numbers have been leveling off. Um, I do wanna highlight that despite some of these gains, Idaho isn't doing so great in relation to overall child well-being in other indicators. Um, First, you know, at 13% of child poverty rate, that's high. I would say that is much too high. Um, And then other indicators in reading and math proficiency, for example, with K through 12 students have remained very low, unacceptably low, as is um, the number of young children who are participating in early childhood education. And in fact, when we compare to other states, Idaho is ranked low in almost every education outcome for the last decade. So while we are seeing rapid growth and an economic boom, um, I don't believe we have prepared to help, we are prepared to help kids and families succeed. And the pandemic has really only exacerbated this. Let's talk about the pandemic. How has that affected poverty levels? So we can look at data in both 2020 and compare it now in 2021. And what we've seen is that the number of Idahoans struggling to get by has really sharply increased due to a variety of factors, including the pandemic's really far-reaching health and economic impacts. And this is especially hard hit to households with children. Um, So COVID-19, it exposed holes in our safety net that were already present and it widened existing disparities. So it left behind a lot of children and families, especially when we disaggregate by race and Hispanic families. Um, When we look at actually just survey data from last month, there's over 110,000 Idahoans who are reporting that their households didn't have enough to eat. So that was last month in May. And this this represents 10% of all households with kids. They're literally saying they can't afford food. They can't afford to put healthy food on the table. When disaggregated by race, that number skyrockets to 30% of Hispanic households with kids not eating enough last month. So you might be wondering, (laughs) 
why are kids going hungry? What's happening? Um, and, you know, looking at the data and the realities of Idaho, what I say, the answer is simple, and it's because rent eats first. We're facing a huge, you know, rental and housing affordability crisis. And despite our very low unemployment rate, um, we have high population growth rates, uh, stagnant wages, and some of the fastest growing housing costs in the nation. What we're finding is one third of Idaho renters with kids uh, can't pay their bills or are struggling to pay month to month. Uh, so when we put all this data together, what we're really learning is that the slightly declining poverty numbers don't automatically mean that all children are thriving in Idaho. Um, kids are going hungry and kids are going hungry in a state that has a booming economy and parents are experiencing anxiety about being evicted every single month. And I believe this is unacceptable. You know, and, and I'm looking at these numbers, one third of renters with children in their household are not sure they're gonna be able to pay next month's rent. And that's a shocking number. And I know that you know, th these are statewide numbers, but from a journalism perspective, as we've been doing coverage on this throughout the state, this isn't just an Ada County issue. I know Ada County has gotten so much of the coverage, both in the Treasure Valley and nationwide, but this is a statewide issue where Idahoans everywhere are dealing with rising housing costs. And it, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, we know that when there's housing insecurity, when there's food insecurity, that often correlates to other public health and education indicators that you, you can't really look at these in a silo, right? Um, right, so we know that parents who have higher incomes can afford to meet most of their children's needs. Um, they can afford to put nutritious food on the table and quality housing and a roof over their head. They can get rides to the pediatrician in the middle of the day and purchase medication and kids can participate in healthy activities like sports. Um, and these families are more likely to live in neighborhoods and towns that have higher quality schools and access to affordable, safe health care. Um, because again, health care is an area that the state is struggling with as well. On the other hand, families struggling to purchase just the basics, so you know, struggling to pay rent, struggling to put food on the table, um, their limited resources means that their kids' development really does suffer. And everything that comes along with living in or near the poverty level, including that high stress, that day-to-day -day stress um, that parents and families feel, it undermines the child's ability to thrive and you know, study after study shows it does have very lasting effects on kids that can extend into their teenage years and young adulthood. Um, you know, they're more likely to have issues with teenage pregnancy and failing to graduate from high school, for example. And, and I'm glad you brought up teen pregnancy because they're, among these findings, there was, there was some good news. Teen pregnancy was down in Idaho. Yeah, so it's interesting because you're, you're referring to our health outcomes and um, indicators that are in the data book that was just released. There's a lot of mixed results. Um, and this is kind of what I think your question starts to allude to. So we know that far fewer children lacked access to health insurance coverage in 2019 than in 2010. 
but Idaho had the highest increase in the rate of uninsured children in the entire country in 2017 and 2018. Um, so this is the tr a trend that we were watching really closely before the pandemic because we're concerned about the short and long-term impacts. Um, so, so can you explain to me how, how that happens? If, if, you know, if, if health insurance is more accessible, you know, since Medicaid expansion, since the adoption of the state-based insurance exchange in, in 2013, why are we seeing that trend go down? That is a great question that we have been digging into. Um, yes, it's true. When parents gain health insurance coverage, their children are more likely to gain coverage as well. Uh, we were very surprised to find our trends um, going down in the number of kids who had health insurance in Idaho. And we've attributed it mainly to uh, program issues such as enrolling children and complicated um, renewal systems and just really a lot of red tape and extra burden. Um, and you know, your, your original question asked about Idaho's teen birth rate. Um, I do wanna point out, so you're correct, um, the teen birth rate declined by 55% after the Great Recession. Um, but it has really remained unchanged over the last three years. Um, and some other indicators when we look at children's overall health, such as, um, child obesity rates, we're not really trending in a very good direction. Um, so right now we have about one in three teens who are overweight or were overweight in 2019. Um, so yeah, we, we really have yet to see what impact the stresses and hardships of the pandemic in the last year will have on children's health. Uh, but it is clear we weren't trending in a great direction to begin with. And there's a lot of work that we can do to improve health insurance coverage rates and access to really quality care and healthy activities. You know, we're talking so much about the data and, and the trends. That's only one part of the picture. What don't we know? That's a great question. Uh, and that's something that we try to dive into, you know, in addition to the data, what are the stories behind this? Um, and when you talk to folks on the ground um, and you talk about, oh, look at our booming economy, especially those who are struggling to pay rent, can't find affordable childcare, um, it doesn't feel like we're in recovery. And for many of these folks, um, their struggles started long before the pandemic hit. The pandemic only exacerbated all of the issues. And, you know, when we look, for example, at rent, um, we've had very stagnant wages that haven't kept up with the increasing housing costs. And again, like I said earlier, rent eats first. So when families, um, their budgets are being squeezed, so are all the other parts of their lives that really lead to the well-being of kids. Let's talk about potential solutions. And there's one that you highlighted uh, this week as you were releasing this information, the child tax credit that is going to go directly to families month by month instead of in a lump sum when folks file their federal and state taxes in April. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. 
Um, yeah, you can't see I am smiling because when we talk about the child tax credit, um, it just makes me excited in talking about the future of the well-being of kids, especially in Idaho. So thankfully, the federal government did take quick action during the pandemic, and in one of their recently passed relief acts, the American Rescue Plan, they expanded the child tax credit. And really, this is one of the most monumental pieces of uh, federal action that we have seen in years, if not decades. And the expansion of the child tax credit means that starting in July, on July 15th, the child tax credit will increase and then automatically be distributed monthly through direct cash payments to families. Um, and the amounts are $300 a month for each child under the age of six and $250 a month for older children. Uh, this is exciting because it does cover about 90% of children in the United States, including 410,000 Idaho children. This is exciting. Again, it's a, it's a game changer for families. Uh, and national experts have looked at what the impact of this child tax credit can do, and they are projecting it could cut the national child poverty rate by more than half in the coming year. You know, and, and I can confirm for people who are listening, <laughs> huge smile on Christine's face. She is very excited to talk about this. You know, I, I have a question though about the delivery system, I guess. And, and the, the goal is to help families who are experiencing poverty. But as you said, you know, I mean, th this covers nearly 90% of children in the United States, more than 400,000 in Idaho, um, including, frankly, maybe some families who haven't missed a paycheck, who haven't experienced any financial losses or job losses during the pandemic. Why not make this relief a little bit more targeted for people who are experiencing housing insecurity or food insecurity? That's a great question. And, and I would answer it by saying this is just one step, one solution um, that is moving forward in a puzzle made up of many pieces to address child well-being. Um, I, the child tax credit does target a majority of families and kids. And when we look at the data of who is impacted by increasing um, housing costs, rental costs, it is hitting all income levels. Um, and the, the number of families that we see living to paycheck to paycheck don't just result in you know, families who are in poverty. Um, and so this step is a small step forward um, to get that support into the hands of as, as many families as possible to get the economy moving, to help you know, with some of our housing crisis and issues that we're currently facing. Uh, but you're gonna hear me argue uh, as we start talking about next steps, there's a lot more opportunities. And you're correct, there are opportunities for the state and federal government to target additional tax credits to lower income families. Yeah. And for parents who want to learn more about the child tax credit and see if they're eligible, that information is at childtaxcredit.gov. So let's talk about those next steps in policy and relief for families. What would you like to see happen on a state and federal level? So at Idaho Voices for Children, we do focus primarily on state policy action. But before I get into that, going back to the, the child tax credit, we are asking members of Congress to make the child tax credit permanent. Currently, um, the 
the expansion is for one year. So going forward, we'd really hate to see the largest one year drop in child poverty followed by a surge in poverty. Um, beyond that, shifting to state policy action, uh, as Idaho's child well-being data shows, federal policies alone just haven't been enough to curb family hardships across the state. And the struggles facing families are compounding. We're seeing families struggle more and more every month. State lawmakers have the opportunity to make really smart policy choices and investments to curb these alarming trends. Um, at Idaho Voices for Children, we do have a pretty robust policy agenda and we've narrowed it down to three really specific top priorities that we really believe that lawmakers and state officials can take on this summer and during the next legislative session. What are those? Um, so the first one is just reassessing and improving how our state manages its safety net. With this influx of federal relief coming in, we really have the opportunity to just rethink how we look at safety net programs and how we um, help support families building financial security. Uh, the second priority is you know, instead of another round of tax cuts, we really, the state really has to invest in our revenue and education and programs that really help increase child well-being. And then third, we have to do something to address the affordable housing crisis. I know I'm not the only one saying this, um, and we do have some thoughts on how we could do that. You know, I, I wanted to ask you about you know, bringing up these policy priorities in a legislature that is very excited to see tax cuts. You know, we, we just saw the largest income tax cuts in Idaho state history. Realistically, especially as lawmakers are looking at tax cuts as a way to help alleviate some of the financial um, strains and stresses that families are feeling right now, is that a winning message to bring to the legislature? Uh, I know that this idea is probably one of the most controversial of our goals, especially heading into the, you know, the next legislative session, uh, once we get out of the current one that we're in. Um, we know Idaho led the nation when it came to economic recovery. That's something to celebrate. Uh, but when I look at all the data that we just talked about, simply put, thousands of families and children have struggled to pay rent and buy groceries while the Idaho's economy boomed. Um, the lawmakers had hundreds of millions of dollars in surplus to spend and they chose to spend it on tax cuts. Um, and it was the largest tax cut in Idaho's history. So that's a celebration for those lawmakers to push forward with that. We're going to now argue and urge um, that we rethink how we invest in our future and invest in Idaho. We do expect another very big revenue year coming up. Um, I think the governor just announced we are well above uh, revenue forecasts um, at the end of May, finishing out this, this current fiscal year. So we're likely gonna head into the next legislative session with another big budget surplus. Um, what we're gonna ask is that this revenue be invested um, in children and in families and not another round of tax cuts that primarily benefit corporations and high income earners. We need significant investment in our K through 12 and higher education and early learning programs and opportunities that allow families to build financial security. We have decades of research to show us where we can invest this money that will really have the greatest results. Um, 
And we at Idaho Voices for Children, we're not alone in this belief. When you look at the latest BSU public policy survey, um, it shows that Idahoans support investments in education, housing, and healthcare over tax cuts. So yeah, I plain and simple, our argument is let's use this unique opportunity, the economic boom to really lift up um, and benefit every Idahoan, strengthen our education system, um, really rethink how we look at the social safety net and weave in some new safeguards for children and families and communities. We were just talking about how the child tax credit, the, the direct payments for families every month is gonna help a lot of people with their rent insecurity, their food insecurity, that sort of thing. You know, so as we're talking about what Idaho can do with its surplus, is there room for tax credits or tax cuts along those same lines and also investing in education? I, yes, I believe that there is room. Last year, it was almost $400 million in tax cuts. Um, if we rethink how we reinvest that, there is definitely room uh, for investments in education and um, refundable tax credits such as the earned income tax credit that does target lower income working families. All right, and if people want more information about the 2021 Kids Count Data Book, where can they find it? Um, you can go to our website, it's idahovoices.org, and we will have a link for folks to be able to click on and check out the Kids Count Data Book. It is full of all types of great data over the last decade, as well as some of the census surveys that I talked about to, um, that really look at how we're doing in the last couple of months. Right, Christine Tiddens, Director of Idaho Voices for Children. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Melissa. And for more from the Idaho Reports team, make sure you're following us on Facebook and Twitter. We'll see you next week. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho by the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.